two more lessons today and then next Sunday about calm and the crazy. And uh, we'll, we'll finish up next, next Sunday. And then after that, I've got a series that I've already kind of outlined. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm having second thoughts about it. But it's, uh, it's uh, some lessons on growing up. And, um, and not that anybody in here is immature. But from time to time, we backslide and start acting like kids again. And um, we have a little toddler around. And some of the things, if, you could, if, if somebody could tape and write down some of the things we say, it, it's hilarious. Don't stick that in your mouth. Uh, don't put that in your Quit picking your nose. You know, the, little, the things that you tell little kids, you know. But, uh, but sometimes, believe it or not, we start acting like little kids. And so um, I've got a series that I want to talk to us about, about growing up in some areas. But I want to finish up this calm and the crazy because, as I mentioned to you, we're living, in, we're living in unprecedented times. We're living in times where so many of us, even as believers, are living frazzled. We're living with anxiety. We're living nervous and even steeping into depression. And so I want to talk about that today. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Um, and, and if you ever want to do a study on, on mental illness or mental disorders or anxiety, uh, <clears throat> Saul in the Bible is the poster child of it. If you, want to, if you really want to see somebody in the Bible who, who seriously had emotional problems, mental problems, anxiety, whatever you want to label it, Saul was it. But it's amazing how you have two men side by side, David and Saul, living side by side, who really experienced a lot of the very same things, but handled it differently. You know, Saul was literally crazy. David, on occasion, just acted crazy. Remember when he was in front of the king and he started acting like a wild man? It's, you know, and, the, and one of the reasons why he acted that way, he was totally rational, totally in control. He knew this is my only way out. He was a man in control. So you see two men side by side in their lives. And we're going to look at a couple of things this morning along that line. But let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 16 and we'll read from verse 17 through 23 and, and follow along with me as I read, Okay. Verse 17 says, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty, valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, And said, Send me David thy son, which is with thy sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in thy sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp, and played with his hand, and so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. And here you have a man who was troubled with this evil spirit. And though the Bible says it was sent from God, no less it was an evil spirit that troubled him. And when this evil spirit would come upon him, he was a different man. He acted crazy. Acted crazy to the point where he yelled at his children. Even tried to kill one of his sons. Just, 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 a, just a man that, that when he got mad, got messed up. And so I want to talk to you this morning just about a primer on anxiety, just some basic things that we can do, some three basic principles. If you can remember these, if you can maybe jot them down or just just go over these over and over, it'll help you as you become anxious and maybe overcome with the problems of life and, and the problems of life make you a different person. All of us, when we're under a lot of stress, become different people. 
When we're under a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety, it potentially could bring out the worst in us. And I want to give you just three things that will help you with the anxiety and some of the things that we cope with, all right? Now, prior, some of you that, that study or like history, but prior to what we now call the Blitz during World War II, it was, a, it was a stretch of time where the German Air Force came over England during World War II and just literally bombed them day and night. I mean, and they called it the Blitz. And as, as the, 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 the British start to get word that the, that the Germans were going to do this, they started to make preparations for these bombings. They knew it was coming. And they started building, obviously, started building bunkers and places for the people to escape. And one of the things that they thought they were going to have a lot of problems with is they thought, surely, with all this bombing, we're going to have a lot of people with mental problems, anxiety, trouble. And he said they made preparations. They estimated that 4 million people would be in need of some type of psychiatric and mental care. And here's what they found out as the bombing started. Here's what they found out. As the bombing started over England, they found out that admissions to psychiatric hospitals actually went down. Well, they thought it would go up. Um, they, 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 they said during the raids, during the raids when the bombs were falling, the intense symptoms in some of the patients actually subsided and stopped. They also found that many mental patients were even driving ambulances. And some of you are saying, yeah, I think now they drive trucks in our society. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It was right there. I had to take it. And here's what they found. They found during these bombings, during these bombings and during the blitz, that there was almost no suicide. Almost no suicide. And so people have studied this and, and, and so forth. But, but because during the war, we naturally gravitate to a few things that help our minds stay clear to survive. Because to survive, doesn't your mind have to be clear? And man, when your survival's at stake, you just, you just go back to really how God wired you. And so what we find is, is the scripture tells us that, that, that think of how some of the most difficult times of your life produce some of the things that you're craving for right now. I'm going to repeat that. Think of how some of the most difficult times of your life produced some of the things you're craving for right now. Some of us are, you know, we're going through life, we're unhappy, we're miserable, we're depressed, we're this, we're that. And, 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 and truth be told, some of us are craving for things that we had in a difficult time. How many grew up in a neighborhood and the neighborhood was kind of poor? I did. I grew up in South Chicago. And I don't know how many times I drive through that, that neighborhood with fondness. It was one of the most difficult times in my life. But there's fondness there because it seemed like during those difficult years, there were some things that were going on that we were forced to do that actually brought what? Peace. Brought even some happiness. I wrote down in my notes about a time in my life that was very difficult, and a lot of you can relate to this because you went to, to Hiles Anderson College uh, back in the day. Remember how difficult college was, you know, for some of us? It was difficult. But how many times we look back on those college years with fondness and say, some of the best times of my life? It's, now, would we go back and do them again? No. No. But, you know, we look back and say, those are the most beautiful times of my life because they were difficult times that really required us to survive. And without even realizing it instinctually, we went back to doing three basic things that I'm going to talk about this morning that all of us need to survive during this chaotic time that we live in. I'm going to show you from Scripture a couple things this morning. 
First of all, number one, if you're going to make it during, during anxious times, difficult times, number one, you've got to have a purpose worth fighting for. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, because here we see David on the flip side. Saul was all troubled, but look at David. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 26. Would you read um, verse 26 with me? Let's read it all together. Ready? And David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Then drop down to verse 29 and read that with me. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? You see two different people. You see one guy who's all flipped out, razzled, frazzled, and he's, who should have been out there fighting? Saul, right? But, but he didn't. He had lost his cause. And David what? Found one. And David was as cool as a cucumber. And David was, I've, I've got a purpose. I've got to fight that giant. I'm going to take him down. And I want to say this morning, this morning if, 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 if you're going to, one of the reasons why so many of us are anxious and we're off frazzled, and we're all, some of us have lost our cause. We have no purpose, no purpose that's worth fighting for. And I'll take it even further, no purpose that's worth dying for. You remember when you first became a Christian and you got locked in? You found it, man. You said, you said I found it. And some of you said, I found something I'd even, I'd even, what, die for and become a martyr for. And some of us have kind of just through the years been, oh, yeah, it's okay, you know, I could take it or leave it. We got to find a purpose again. And some of us have got to ask the Lord Lord, what's my purpose? I want to just make a few statements about purpose real quick. Number one, I want to say this about purpose. If you found a purpose in life, embrace it. Don't despise it. It might be the only thing keeping you from going nuts. Some of you, God has given you a purpose to live for, and you're constantly upset about it. I can't believe how much i got to pay for the rent. I can't believe i got to pay this mortgage. I can't believe... Do you understand that that purpose may be the only thing that's keeping you from putting a stinking gun to your head? Quit, quit looking at it with contempt and embrace it and say, hallelujah, I've got a purpose. I've got something to live for. Some of you constantly looking at your children as a source of, as a source of difficulty, as a source of difficulty. And can I, can I tell you something? Embrace that difficulty because it may be the purpose that's keeping you sane. You say, no, it's driving me crazy. I, 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 it's very, very delicate, but do, do you understand how many people would love to have children? How many people would love to have what you, what, what, what's, what you say is driving you nuts? That's a little bit too difficult for, for a Sunday morning. I'm sorry, man. I get, I, get, I get so intense, and you guys are so patient with me. I love it. I'm so sorry. But I, get, I get intense about what I'm talking about. Uh, but, but, but embrace it. Quit despising it. Some of you get upset about, about a, 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 a responsibility you have to fulfill. You know, praise the Lord for this class. This thing is one of the things that's kept me sane during, during a very difficult situation. Me and Karen were talking on the way here. We're like, do you realize we haven't missed a Sunday since something like, you know, April? We've been more faithful during this time than we were outside of it. So the thing that keeps us sane is a purpose. And some of you have, the Lord has been merciful enough to, to give you a purpose. And some of you, instead of embracing it, you've seen it as uh, something to despise. Stop seeing it as an obstacle to your joy and see it as the thing that's keeping you sane. Quit seeing something. If I could just get out of this, I'd be happy. If I could just get out of this marriage, if I could just get out of this situation, I'd be happy. Hey, do you understand that might be the thing 
that's keeping you together. Um, a lack of struggle, don't miss this, a lack of struggle has never produced any person of significance. You, name a, you, you point me the person that has never struggled in their life and show me the person and say, I want to be like that person. The people that we most want to be like are the people that have struggled. You know, uh, 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 a lack of struggle has never, never, uh, never embraced this and, and, uh, and, 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 and so forth. So I want to say this. Sometimes our greatest struggle, don't miss this, sometimes our greatest struggle is letting one purpose go and embracing another. You know, as some of us are hitting an age, you know, we, we, we started late and we got a little toddler and, and I'm going to be the, the oldest guy taking his kid to the, you know, to the high school graduation. That's okay. That's, the way, that's just the way it worked out. But one of the hardest things to do sometimes is let one purpose go and get another. For many of you, your whole purpose revolved around your children for years and now slowly they're going and you're watching that purpose go literally and that's not the main focus. Ask the Lord to help you get a new one. Some of you need a new purpose. Some of you are, 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 are tinkering and, 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 and tinkering in your kid's life, and it's time to just say, hey, you know what? I did my job. They're adults. I got to get another purpose here. And, and it may be helping raise the grandkids. I don't know. But ask the Lord what it is, that this, this purpose. Because sometimes the most difficult thing is, is letting one go and, and, and getting a new one. Could it, could it really have been God's will that David became the king and Saul kind of fade, fade in the background? Yes. And wouldn't it have been a wonderful thing if Saul would have embraced it and said, I had my time. It's now time to help David, right? I think he would have been a lot saner. I think he would have maybe stopped from flipping out. And sometimes in our life, we have to, we have to let that go. Here, let me give you some great purposes. Here are some great purposes. The faith. Man, reconnect to your faith again. Like I said, remember when you first got saved, man? You, man, when you passed out of track and somebody spit at you or punched you, you're like, yes! It was like a badge of honor. Yes! You know, now it's, can't even summon up enough courage to mention the name Jesus somewhere. It's, it's, we kind of faded. Hey, reclaim that purpose again. My purpose is to spread the gospel to every person I can, take it to people, you know, witness to as many people as I can, rekindle that purpose. Because can I tell you, just having a purpose that's bigger than you settles the other garbage in your life, you know? Rekindle that faith. Uh, what's another purpose? The ministry. The ministry. Man, that's a great purpose. You remember what we found when a lot of us went to Bible college? We showed up as selfish 18-year-olds, and they stuck us out in Chicago all day long, and we didn't have a ride back, and we were forced to stay there. And some of us actually found out that as we invested in other people, our problems seemed to what? Get smaller. It's time some of you find that again. A purpose that's bigger than you. People that have bigger problems than you. Because the first, one of the first ways to settle anxiety down is what? Get a purpose. Fight a purpose worth fighting for. What's another purpose? I mentioned the, fam- the faith, the ministry. How about family? How about family? I've come to terms, man, with this, with this fact that I may never pastor a big church. I may teach Sunday school class the rest of my life, and I've come to terms with, I'm okay with that. Because my purpose in life, or one of the great purposes that God gave me, is to be a husband to Karen and a daddy to Landon. And I'm all right with that. That's my purpose. Does it get hard sometimes? <laughs> when that kid is just <laughs> crazy, it's hard. But it's a purpose. And I would be a mess if I didn't have that little boy in my life. I'd be a mess if I didn't have her in my life. And you would be a mess 
if you didn't have your family in your life. Get, rekindle that purpose again. How about this one? Social issues and social causes. We live right in the backyard of one of the biggest war zones in the country. Why don't you ask the Lord what he would have you to do? Maybe it's going soul winning in an area. Maybe it's donating to cause. I don't know. But find a purpose that's bigger than you because you know what it does? It helps settle down the anxiety and the craziness in your life. When Saul lost his purpose, he lost his mind. Man, that, somebody ought to tweet that. That's a good one. No, just, okay, all right, that's enough of that. All right. Hey, if, I won't, if you're not going to amen or, you know, give me, I'll, I'll amen myself, amen? Number two, the second thing, a primer on anxiety. The first thing you need is a what? A purpose worth fighting for. Can you say that with me? A purpose worth fighting for. Second thing you need, you ready? A people that you are connected to. A people that you are connected to. Now, some of you, you got number one, you got a purpose. But the second thing you need is a people that you are connected to. Let's look at a couple of verses real quick. Let's look at first, uh, first Samuel 19 and verse 17. First Samuel 19 and verse 17. Anybody there that would read it for me? You know what you know what who Michael is? Michael is, is Saul's daughter. And the whole episode is here. Michael just helped save her husband's life. Why? Because her father wants to kill his son-in-law. Here's what here's what Saul's thinking is, right? I don't need anybody. I don't need you. I don't need you, Michael. I don't need you, David. Look at look at 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 30. 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 30. Uh, Brother Pat, would you read that again? So now he's not just turned on his daughter, he's turned on his what? Son? Here's, here's Jonathan's attitude. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. And how wrong was he? Because if you're going to keep a sane mind, you not only need a purpose worth fighting for, you need a people that you are connected to. You see, the most cruel punishment that you can give a prisoner, you know it. What's the, what, besides execution, what is the most cruel punishment you can give a prisoner? Solitary confinement. Do you know why? We are wired to be social people. We are wired to be connected. And this is not a, this is not a rah-rah because I, I, I want a packed out class every Sunday. But I'm going to tell you, you need this class. I didn't say you need the teaching. Do you know what you need probably even more than the teaching? You need the connection. You need people. Craziness and anguish magnifies itself in isolation. The more you feel like, I don't want to go to church today, you ought to say, I, but I need to be there. I need to be around people. And I not only need to be there, I need to make a connection to people. You see, being around people does make you, uh, being around people does not necessarily make you connected to people. Just being around people doesn't make you connected to people. I heard a church planner uh, from New York City say this once. They asked him, what is one of the greatest needs of your people? He's planning a church in Manhattan in the, in the most populated place in the world. He goes, what is something your, the, the people in New York City around that area struggle with? He said, loneliness. Isn't that funny? Surrounded by people, yet what? Lonely. Because it's not just being around people, it's being connected to people. We need each other in here. I need you, and you need me, and we need each other. Why? 
It's the way God planned it. And God says you not only need a purpose worth fighting for, but you need a people to be what? Connected to. Well, I don't like you, Brother Danny. I don't like you, this class. That's fine. Go find another one. Find another class where you can connect to the people. You say, you give me permission? Yep. Find a place where the people, you, you fit and connect with the people. If you're like, I've tried to connect with these people. Brother Danny, you're weird. I don't like you. Man, I've been fine. I can't even connect myself sometimes. But I'm saying, for your mental health, go find a group that you can connect to. Right? Does that make sense to you? So connecting means bonding and, and trusting. Bonding means this. Ready? Here's how we connect. Time spent together. That's why this is so good. Time. Shared experiences, things we do together, and then finally, adversities we overcome. Man, nobody, nobody has wanted to go through what our church has gone through in the last, last you know, six to eight years. And there's some of you that have been here this whole time. But hasn't some of this over, adversity made some of us closer? Man, we went through some tough stuff together. And it's the stuff that bonds us. And you need that. That's why it's important. Don't bail on your, out on your marriage and your family when the tough times come. It's that adversity that, that, that makes bonds. It's that adversity that helps us. Are you guys with me this morning? Then, um, and, and I want to just tell you some things to remember about this issue of connection. There are no perfect people. Some of you are waiting to find a perfect people that you can connect to. There's no perfect people. We're all imperfect. You're gonna, the closer you come to Brother Dan, you're going to find out I'm not that good of a Christian. I'm trying. I'm just trying. I'll be trying until the day I die. That's why, get as close as you want to me. You know what? And some of you are going to be like, he does. Hey, I'm not perfect. But you know what? That's why I can get as close to you because when I find out your stuff, I don't look at you either and say, them, her, him. I'm like, it's not perfect. But there are people and we love each other. We're family, right? Right? Okay. And, and so, so you're going to find out people are going to hurt you. If, 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 if you're living in isolation because you don't want to be hurt, come on, man. Grow up. That's kid stuff. People are going to hurt you. I'm going to get hurt in this class. I'm going to get hurt in this church. Now, if it's an abusive situation, that's something different. But there's some of us that refuse to connect with people because we always fear getting hurt. Get over that. We're going to get hurt. You're going to hurt some people. But be connected. And then finally, you're not perfect either. You're not perfect either. So, so okay, enough of that. And then number three. So what was the first thing we need? A purpose worth fighting for. A people to be connected to. And then finally, number three. You ready? A place where I'm needed. A place where I'm needed. These are the three things that we need to keep us grounded. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 8. 18, verses 6 through 8. And it came to pass as they came, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul, with tabrets, with joy, and instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Look at the next verse. And Saul was very, what? Wroth. Because Saul felt like he was no longer, what? Needed. Can I tell you what every person in this room is? You need to be needed. When a person doesn't feel needed anymore, that's when he starts having trouble in his mind. And that's why, listen to me, that's why none of us in this room and in this church need to look at other people and say, just go ahead and leave. Get out of here. We don't need you. No, 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 man. Don't do that to people. Don't do that to people. People need to be needed. When, when people don't feel like they're needed, that's when they start wondering, man, do I even need to live anymore? We don't need to do that. We need to help each other feel needed. Like, like, 
We need each other in this class. I need you and you need me. We need each other. Um, I want to say this. Sometimes our pride gets in the way and we insist who it is that should need us. I'm going to be very, I'm going to take it real easy here, but I, but I want you to listen to me. And, I, and, and if I'm wrong, correct me. I don't mind you in private saying, Brother Danny, I don't think you're wrong there, but that's fine. But some of us insist that this person must need us, and that's why we're having problems. We insist that some family member must need us. We can't handle the fact they don't need us anymore. And we insist on it. We insist on it. Sometimes in dating, all of us are married now and, and, and so forth, but in dating, we get so hung up on this one person and we can't handle the fact that they have said no to, our, to, to dating. They don't want us. And we're like, no, 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 you must need me. We can't handle the fact, hey, if this person doesn't need you, find what? Find another one. And some of you are upset. This ministry doesn't want me. Find another one. Find another one. Some of you are all crazy because this kid's not responding to me. Have another one in your 50s. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> See, there's, find somebody who will need you. Man, this church is stand on the corner and see all these little fatherless and motherless children running up and down the street who don't have moms and dads who will take anybody to take care of them for a little bit. Find somebody. You know, when I was going through college and, and all bummed out sometimes, but I didn't have anybody at the college who would say yes to me, and I was all bummed out. Praise the Lord. I found a little group of kids up, in, up on the north side of Chicago that said, we'll be the people that you can need if you want. Praise the Lord. And some of you are so bent. This church, you know, <laughs> I'll leave it. But some of you are so bent, like, these people got to need me. And they say no, and it drives, hey, find somebody else that will need you. Let me ask you this, and, and we're almost done here. Where is the place or who is the person that will hurt if you don't show up? Who is the person or where is the place that's going to hurt if you don't show up? You've got to find somebody who needs you. And I'm not talking about dysfunctional codependency. I'm not talking about that garbage. I'm not talking about you, you're wrapping your life and being enmeshed with someone. I'm talking about who today needs you. Now, I'm hoping this is true. I'm hoping today this class needed me. I'm hoping. I don't know. I'm hoping that when I walked in here today and somebody saw me, oh, good, he's here. I hope that's the case. I don't know that. But if it's not true, don't tell me. Because in my heart, I think they need me today. They need me and Karen there. This is the thing that keeps us sane. And you need something like that. You need a place here that, 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 that needs you. Ask the Lord to show you the person or the place that you can add value to. There is some place, there is some ministry, there is some niche that you can add value to. You've got something they need. Some of you have carpentry skills. You think maybe there might be a widow in our church that might need that? Nobody else needs me around here, but some little widow out somewhere needs you. Some of you have good, good uh, uh, painting skills and different skills. Find somebody who needs you. Some of you have, all I can do is talk, so I find places where they need somebody that can talk. Hey, stick him in there, you know? But this week... I was watching a documentary on the Vietnam War and how many soldiers in a certain way miss their combat years. They've done much since, but have never found the same kind of fulfillment as they did in their war years. Why? They had a purpose worth fighting for. They had a people they were connected to and a place 
where they were needed. So you can make it through whatever situation, how bad, no matter how bad it is, if you have a purpose worth fighting for, if you have a people that you're connected to, and if you have a place where you're what? Needed. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you take a very simple lesson, Lord, from these two men, Saul and David, that were side by side, Lord. Remind me, Lord, that I need a purpose that's bigger than me so I can take my eyes off myself. Lord, I need people that I'm connected to. I can't live isolated. And Father, then, then remind me, Lord, that I need a place where I am needed and help me to find a place where I can add value. Bless these dear people, Lord. They're the best people I know. And Father, thank you that you've allowed me and Karen to spend time week after week and, and help them carry their burdens. And thank you, Lord, that many of them help us carry our burdens, Lord. And what a wonderful gift you've given us in this, in this beautiful body of the church, Lord. Bless Brother Wilkerson today. Fill him with your mighty power, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name, amen.